You're invited to join Anna and Sam at our new regional event, the Food and Faith Gathering. A collaboration between the Food and Faith podcast and the Keep and Till. On November 9th, 2019 at McDaniel College in Westminster, Maryland, you'll join congregations, practitioners, dreamers, and advocates as we discuss issues around food, ecology, community, and social justice. Head over to foodandfaithpodcast.org to register. Tickets are $25 each, which include breakfast and lunch. We'll be joined by Heber Brown, Karen Mann, Dave Baldwin, and Sam as speakers, along with a trip to the Keep and Tell Farm for lunch and for worship. And if you want to be a founding member of the Patreon supporters team for the pod by committing to give $5 a month, you can attend the gathering for free. So head over to foodandfaithpodcast.org slash gather to register. That's foodandfaithpodcast.org slash gather. We'll see you on November 9th at McDaniel College at the Food and Faith Gathering. Welcome to the Food and Faith Podcast, conversations from the soil and around the table with your co-hosts, Anna Wolfenden and Sam Chamberlain. Welcome, Food and Faith podcast community. We are thrilled to have a group here from Certified Naturally Grown, both um, in, from the central office and some farmers out in the field, to talk about their work and also how that intersects with their faith and their work in their communities. And so rather than giving their bios to you, we're going to combine our geography question with intros and ask our guests to share a bit about their journey, what has brought them to this conversation, and how the geography shapes their work. So Alice, we'll start with you. Alice Varder is the Executive Director of Certified Naturally Grown, a national nonprofit organization offering peer-reviewed certification for farmers and beekeepers who produce their food for their local communities without the use of synthetic chemicals or GMOs. So Alice, take it away. Tell us about the work you do. Okay, sounds great. Thanks for having us. Um, let's see. So I'm right now located in Brooklyn, New York, which is where our office is headquartered. But we, I grew up in Vermont, in rural Vermont, and was surrounded by food producers, and uh, including my own family as far, uh, gardeners. Um, and am really, really honored to work on behalf of farmers growing food for their local communities without any synthetic chemicals or GMOs. And um, that's really why I'm in this work is because I see it as a way to support the healing of the earth and the people who are supporting their own local communities. Um, our organization serves farmers uh, through a peer review certification process that um, connects farmers to each other, um, both to verify that they're upholding our high standards for food production and to share their knowledge with each other and build direct relationships um, that help strengthen their chance for success as farmers and as members of their local communities. So, um, 
our members, the farmers who participate, are throughout North America, um, and a high concentration is in the southeastern U.S. So I feel like that's really the center of gravity for us is um, in, you know, Georgia, Tennessee, um, to some extent, North Carolina. And, but we really have little pockets of concentration throughout the country. Um, and I'm eager to hear the story of, of our members in uh, Indiana. So we're so glad to be joined by Larry and Michelle Lesher from Eastward Gardens in Indiana and to share about the work that you're doing there. So tell us a bit okay. about your geography. Okay, so we're in Hardinsburg, Indiana, um, which is just a slightly, we're like 35 minutes outside of Louisville, Kentucky. And so most of our cells go into Louisville. Um, we have a small CA, and so part of it goes to Jasper, Indiana. But the bulk of our sales, we do two farmers markets, sell to restaurants, we sell to a, a co-op, a health food store. Um, and so that's, that's um, we also do flowers. And so our flowers, we sell to a lot of florists as well. And so um, that's sort of where we're at geographically, how we got to this geography. We started farming in Seattle, Washington, and that's where we initially heard about C&G, actually. Hmm. Um, we can get into why we chose CNG, say over certified organic or, or, well, those would probably be the only two certifications I know. Of. Along the way, we ended up in South Dakota. We worked at a lifestyle center where I ran the garden there for four years and Michelle ran the dietetics department. She's, a, she's got her master's in dietetics and she's a uh, certified nurse um, and a lactation consultant. So she's very interested in, in human well-being, And I was interested in human well-being through Nutrition. So we ended up here and we've been on this farm for seven years now. Um, and we've been doing small scale, what I would call uh, market gardening um, for the past, I think it's been 13 years now I've been doing this full time. And I've been doing it full time for two years. I quit my job as a dietitian and a nurse two years ago, June, to be a full time farmer alongside Larry. So the geographies are expansive. <laughs> the, the, Northeastern United States, Southeastern United States, Northwest, um, and to the Midwest. And so it's great to see that this, that this movement around certified uh, natural organic um, really is encompassing a lot of different climates, a lot of different uh, sort of so social cultures, and a lot of different people. And we want to get right into it around, um, around why CNG. One of the reasons we started the conversations around food and faith was because a lot of people were interested in the intersection between their communities and the food that they ate and the environment. And so a lot of people just throw around the word organic and assume that it all has sort of one, you know, unified meaning. Um, but we know that there's a lot of turbulence around that and a lot of questions um, between even organic farmers and conventional agriculture about what this looks like. And so talk a little bit about, you know, what makes CNG unique and what are some of the, what are some of the important things that it's trying to contribute to this marketplace of ideas around organic production? Maybe we can start with, um, with CNG sort of talking about the overall scope of, of what their goal is and then our unique, place in that? So um, CNG uh, was founded by farmers back in 2002 when the National Organic Program took effect. And these farmers were very committed to organic practices, but with a new federal law, it was required to go through a specific process before, in order to have permission to use that word organic to describe your food and the farm you produce, uh, your, yeah, your farm and the food you produce there. Um, 
And they um, were very committed to the practices, but didn't feel like that was a good fit. So CNG was founded as a grassroots alternative, a private nonprofit organization that um, relies on a different approach to certification that um, employs farmer to farmer inspections. So the standards are just as high, but the, um, the annual inspection is carried out by another producer in the area. And this is designed to boost uh, knowledge exchange and um, the network development, as well as keep the program affordable and um, accountable to the farmers who participate. So um, we are not trying to do the same thing as the National Organic Program, which is designed to cover a wide swath of the food system, right? So you can have certified organic Cheerios and granola and um, tobacco. <laughs> so we're not, we're, we're really only certifying raw agricultural products, um, you know, fruits and vegetables. Um, we do certify livestock as well as apiaries for uh, beekeepers um, and mushrooms as well as aquaponics operations. But these are all raw agricultural products, not something that, not a processed food you'd find in a package uh, at a grocery store shelf typically. Um, and so we're really built around community. I mean, we're not just a marketing label. I know that's the point of entree to the conversation is that we are a certification program, but it's more about strengthening um, local sustainable agriculture and giving a leg up to those small scale producers growing food for their local communities um, without synthetic chemicals who just feel like this is a better fit for them. And one, following up on that, um, I've heard you talk a little bit about um, farmer-centered certification versus a corporate-centered certification. Um, and I wonder if you could draw out the distinctions about what, what, how you might use those two terms and how that benef ultimately benefits the farmer and the consumer. Mm -hmm. Right. That's a great question, for sure. So I think that it's good for farmers to have choices. We all like choices in life. Um, and I think that this particular certification is really good for farmers who are um, very committed to this way of farming because of their values, because it's the only way they would farm. Whereas uh, many other labels are designed to give a marketing edge to a company whose primary motivating factor is the profit margin right so it's a different if it's a it's a different set of considerations and it's a different audience really and which isn't to say that our farmers don't want to make a profit that they very much do in many cases and need to and we intend to support them in that goal as well but at the heart of what we're doing is really um, highlighting their commitment to a way of producing food and indeed a way of life. Larry and Michelle, does that ring true to you? What drew you to CNG and is are some of the things that Alice mentioned the pieces that drew you or are there other pieces that you would add? Yeah, other side of things? I think I would add a couple of things that, that was appealing to us. Um, so when we were in Seattle, we started our first farm 13 years ago coming up on 14 years ago now. And we actually had to ask this question and it was a very serious question. Do we certify organic? Do we do certified naturally grown? Do we do both? Um, you know, and for us as a business, I mean, we were a business, we had to make some ethical decisions based on, on what we were seeing and what we thought would, um, 
be best, I guess is the best way to say that. And what we weighed was, and, and I'm not trying to uh, demean any choice that someone makes, but for us, when we looked at the certified organic situation, um, we were looking at some of the dairies were not being, it didn't, they were breaking the rules quite often, but they were maintaining their certification. And so that was really troublesome to me to see that these large uh, multi-faceted dairies could have organizations that were part of their organizations that were breaking it, the, the, the rules, but yet they were still main, maintaining their, their ability to say we're certified organic. And so I saw a need for a secondary um, option that if the rules of the organic system started to be manipulated too much through the federal government program, uh, that there were some things in place to turn to for people who actually wanted to see some real standards being maintained. That was one of the main things. And when we looked into it further, so like in the certified organic realm, if I'm getting certified, the certifier is purely there as a person who is going to make sure I'm following the rules and isn't actually allowed to give me advice even. Like they have to have a certain between me and them and I thought well I mean I understand that concept and sure that's fine but when we do peer-to-peer -peer reviews we're saying hey I have this problem with aphids or I have this problem with X Y or Z and the person's then able to say oh yeah I've had that problem this is what we did this worked um, and so now we have a dialogue of community to assist one another not just be like I'm checking you out to make sure that you're not doing anything wrong which is true we want to make sure everybody's following the rules and is actually doing what we say that we're doing but in back of that, we wanted to have more of a community feel. We wanted it to be a thing where we were supporting one another, not just, you know, like, are you making the grade type of thing. Yeah, and, and it was, like, we're at here directly right now. If I wanted to certify organic, I have to pay somebody an hourly wage and travel time to travel from Indianapolis. So it's going to be like $1,200 for me to certify organic. And the CNG is, um, there is a requested minimum entrance and it's basically a donation above that. And so they're saying, you know, how much do you want to support this basically? And do you want to see it in your financial contribution will? And so to me, these were all things that showed the sort of the, what'd you say? The true intent, like how much they actually cared about was actually happening and weren't trying to just turn it into some sort of operational machinery. And so I'm fascinated by this farmer to farmer idea because I've experienced agriculture where we're, we're for each other, but at the same time, we're all running separate businesses that at the end of the day are competing for dollars. And so this idea of actually taking a core value of developing community, which we often talk about, but we struggle to actually implement, um, I'm fascinated that that actually happens. And so I, I just wanted like, so do you have a story of like a way that your bet, your business has benefited by the inputs of farmers that you participate in with the CNG certification and peer to peer review? Well, so we, we, um, it's difficult here actually, because we, our community of CNG farmers is pretty small in our local area. So I deal mm -hmm. quite often with another farm, um, What's their names? Eaton, Seton, Seton Farms um, over in, um, what's their location? I can't remember their exact location. But uh, anyway, when I have inspected him, I've inspected him twice now. He, uh, 
we share back and forth all I mean, everything we're doing. I mean, we talk about how we've dealt with the season, how it's been so wet, what we're doing to deal with like the rains, how we deal with getting into the field because of that, um, how we prep some things or may plant things like he'll do onions in the fall and how he gets those to go over winter so that in the spring when it's wet, like he's just shared everything. Like it's an open book. Like the dialogue is just very much shared dialogue about what works for him, what doesn't work for him, what he's tried. And, and, and I'm the same way. And so, to, but to really get down to the core values, it's even outside of this community of CNG. When I go to farmer's market, a direct, you'd say competition spot, right? It's amazing to me. So like, if you think about my community, my community, if you think of agriculture, if you look at the, the, the national statistics, I think it's 2% of the population is involved in agriculture, like all agriculture. And so if you think about our section of agriculture, this like, what would you say? Certified naturally grown, organic, um, veganic, like all these different certifications that are doing some sort of like specialty farming technique or, or way that we do it. We're down there in like, or something. I mean, it's like nothing. There's none of us, so to speak. Um, and so when we come into a place like a farmer's market where you have all these, these guys who are trying to do their niche market, organics, certified, naturally grown, whatever it is their thing is, people will oftentimes do have this sort of spirit of competition. I think it's ingrained into this. But my particular, me personally, my approach has always been this. There's more of a market than we can meet there's such a demand for clean food. There's such a demand. It's so big. Like I go into, so I started in Seattle and there literally was a bottomless pit. We sold everything we grew. We, our compost pile was so small with food we brought back from the market. <laughs> irrelevant to me. Like it was literally, it was so irrelevant to me. It was like, everybody who wants to do this, I will teach you. I will show you. I want more. We need more people doing this. We can't meet the demand. And so you come down to like Black Hills Health and Education Center, we farmed there and we were in Rapid City. This is like one of the smallest populations state to state that you're going to have. It's like the third least populated state in the nation. And so we go to farmer's market and it was the exact same story. I mean, wow. even in this little small rural town, obviously you had less cells, but it was still this idea that there was this hunger and this thirst and this demand for it in the sense that I never felt the competition. Um, I felt like if we could get more people to do it and we could educate people more about what the food industry was doing and why they needed to make this choice because their health was really dependent upon it, you know, that the, just the demand wasn't there. So we got here and it was the same thing. And here it was interesting because it is a smaller market. We're in the Midwest or quote unquote the Midwest. Um, and so there's a lot more small farmers out here. And so the, the markets are a little bit saturated. I thought, hmm. well, this is interesting because the demand hasn't quite met the amount of people who want to do farming. But what I found was, is I brought a lot to share with these farmers because being here, they didn't necessarily, like in Seattle, some of these people have been doing organics for a long, long time. And the stuff that I had opportunity to learn there, I was able to share here. And, but my, I watched our farmers market farms struggle to stay. And so there was, there's times there's waves in our, our experience in farming where we have a lot of farms at the farmers market. And there'd be times when it would drop off and there'd be like five of us standing there as opposed to 20. And what I found was, is my sales went down when there were less farmers there. 
Mm-hmm. And the oh, that's reason, fascinating. The reason I see for that is because it becomes not just buying clean food, but it, it becomes an experience. We call it agritainment. There's a certain <laughs> amount of experience people expect to have or want to have when they come to the farmer's market. And if you're just standing there with your one little booth and some other guy with soap and some other person with like, you know, their garden wares, it just doesn't have the same experiences when you come to a big happening place. And so for me, it was always about get more people in this. We want more farmers, we want more people mm-hmm. doing, we want this to be an exciting thing, a movement. And to me, you know, that, that was way more powerful. And I think there's this sense of uh, tithing. You give, you don't just take. And so like we have a, a thing on our farm when we started doing flowers, when Michelle quit her job and she did flowers, we had this rule. It was every farmer's market, we're going to give away a bouquet of flowers that someone the Lord leads us to. And we've always done that. Like someone will come to the market and if someone's debating about, well, I, I want to get some sweet potatoes and I want beets. Um, but I really need salad mix. Okay. I'll get the salad mix and I'll get the sweet potatoes because you know they just can't afford it or, or they're on a budget, you know? And, and so it's like, this is, this is like, I'm smiling because I'm watching them have this struggle <laughs> and I get to know that I get to bless somebody right now. Yeah. And so it's, it's always this amazing thing to watch. Like they're going to give me their thing and I'm going to go and here's some beats for you. And they're just going to light up. Right. Cause like, who does that in the world? Well, this is my business and I can do that. And it, it's, it's crazy that people choose how they're going to nurse themselves like that. It's just to me, it's just not reality for me. And so we get to bless people like that. So when we come back to the flowers, I was always kind of against it. Like, I'm like, oh, I'll grow flowers. That's fine. We'll do a few flowers, but they have to be edible. Like for me, I'm like, kind of, yes, you got to eat it. <laughs> I'm very, I was like very strong on that. And Michelle's like, they're so, you don't understand. They're beautiful. I want to grow them. I'm like, fine. I will assist you, but flowers are your deal. You grow them. I'll help you. And so, so we get the farmer's market and we have this rule. We're going to give away a bouquet of flowers every month. And I can't tell you, the first season we did that, she gave away a bouquet all the time. And this happens so consistently. And people will break down and cry. Mm-hmm. You have no idea the day I've had, how bad I felt. Michelle could probably speak to this more than me because this kind mm-hmm. of really is her thing. But when I saw that, I thought, no one has ever cried when I gave them a tomato. Like they're happy <laughs> and they're excited and they're blessed. <laughs> they don't cry. This is a total another like blessing that these people are getting, like nourishing their souls. Like this is something flowers are this powerful thing that is a symbol of like, say that. Yeah. Flowers to a lot of people are a symbol of love. So whenever you give flowers to someone for free and I really watch it kind of see when I think somebody's struggling or they look at the flowers and they want to buy them and they can't afford them. Um, I always do this funny thing where I'm like, today we're having this special. If you're wearing a blue shirt and you have brown hair, you get a free bouquet of flowers and they just light up. And it's true. A lot of times people just start sobbing because of whatever their day has been like. And, you know, in our world today, there's not a lot of giving things for free. And so when you do it, it it makes a big impact on people. What I hear in this. And it it had a big impact on people. Yeah, and it sh- right, changes the giver as well, right? As the yeah. person is receiving it. I hear in this, there's a there's a blessing song that um, we sing at the Garden Church, which is, there's, there is enough, there is enough, there is enough, enough and some to share. And I think that this idea of the collaboration and the abundance and that it doesn't come out of some excess in that like, 
oh, abundance, we all have so much. Because sometimes we don't have all the things that we need. We, yeah. there, there are real needs in our communities. But with this spirit of believing that there actually is going to be enough and some to share, if we keep practicing that, and if we keep working that collaboration and lifting each other up. And I love the story that you share, Larry, about that it was actually more vibrant and even your sales did better. Even on a practical business level, it's better for everyone in that supportive network. Um, and I just really admire the way that CNG doesn't just lift that up as a idea, but your organization is actually formed around that value. Um, so I have a question for you, Alice. Um, I know you have a new mentorship initiative that works with the farmer relationships. And I'm curious, we have a lot of listeners that are working in churches and nonprofits. Um, could you just give our listeners a brief introduction to if somebody's ears are lighting up <laughs> hearing this conversation, what would it look like to, to be part of this, this bigger network and how could they have an entry point into it? Yeah, great. I, there's two ways, really. One is for farmers and one is for their the members of their communities. So for farmers interested, um, you know, the first step is to fill out an application on our websites. And then the mentor program is a way for us to identify the most experienced farmers in our community and pair them up with those who are just joining for the on-site inspection. So, you know, instead of having a very hands-off approach and saying, find a CNG farmer near you, which they can do on our website, there's a map and you can search by geographic proximity, um, you know, type in your zip code and say, who's near me, you know, 50 miles within my zip code, and you'll find hopefully a few choices. But, um, but we really want to identify who's been at this for, you know, many years and would have the most to offer someone just getting started and really do more coordinating around the first and second on-site inspection so that those starting down this path can have the best support possible. And then for folks who are not farmers, but really want to know more about where their food comes from, we have uh, an opportunity for them to observe an on-site inspection. So they can, uh, uh, an inspection on a farm. So they'll not only witness, you know, it's ideally a farm that they buy food from, um, and they can see how that food is grown, and they can also witness a dialogue between that two farmers on their production practices and sort of really appreciate what all goes into growing food. It's an incredibly knowledge-intensive occupation. Amen. Um, right? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. um, and there's very few people who who actually have this knowledge. They're, they're other farmers, right? So to to witness a dialogue between you know, these professionals with this very specific knowledge that's not just specific to farming, but often to that region, to that soil, to that climate, to those pests that are found, you know, it's, it's like gold to have that resource that Larry referenced in the relationship um, with the nearby farmer. I mean, that's, that's priceless. So we really want to amp up the value of those, those interactions by identifying mentors for those coming into our community. And so churches, nonprofits can join into this community, even though, you know, we're not necessarily for profit, you know, the way that a, 
the way that Larry and Michelle are, um, there's, there's still room at the table for different models still practicing these same core values. Absolutely. Yeah. And going back to the idea of, of, of supporting one another, for those folks who are in their first few years of farming, or maybe they had a, had a really rough year where they lost an entire crop because of extreme weather, or they had a physical injury, you know, one member of the family couldn't also help with the farming and they have big medical bills. So it can be sometimes be hard to cover the, the certification dues that we ask all our members to pay. So we have a grassroots fund that is funded by uh, members of our community that can help subsidize certification for those who are having a rough year. Um, it's entirely funded by our membership and that's another way that we manifest mutual support within our community. Huh. And I also hear in that potentially um, opportunities for, for lack of a better term, conventional churches who may not practice agriculture as a part of their community, but want to support it to say, hey, can, can we pick up the fees? Can we take a giving, an offering that would support that? Um, and so it, you're making investments into not just farmers, but into soil in really practical ways by picking up some of that. That's a great idea. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's called the Grassroots Fund, and, and there's, there's a way to find it easily on our websites. Um, and churches, too, you know, they could have, you know, they could, um, members could witness an inspection or observe an inspection, too. Oh, very good. Yeah. And so I want to sort of peel back a, a little bit farther, um, because you all had the opportunity to participate in the uh, On Food and Faith Conference. Um, with former Vice President Al Gore at a CNG certified um, farm. Now, let's, if you want to tell us a little bit about that farm, you can do that. I mean, um, mm -hmm. but I, you know, I, so I wondered about that experience. Like, first of all, congratulations, because um, yes. that got a ton Huge. of traction around this conversation. Um, and of course, it excited us that we continue to put food and faith right next to each other. Um, Larry and Michelle, you've done an excellent job of just sort of helping us see how that, how that happens very naturally. <laughs> um, you know, and so I wonder, so I, Alice, I wanted to ask you as somebody who, you know, who is a director for this organization who's participating in these larger conversations, where is all this going? What does ag look like um, as we continue to ask questions around organic, certified naturally grown, all these kind of things? Where is it headed? And what might that mean for faith communities? Oh wow, that couldn't be a bigger question. Could I, it? Yeah, well, you know, that's that's. We just want you to enter into our, you know, middle of the dreams <laughs> and help us figure this out. Uh, oh my goodness, that I would love. We'll do a whole separate, you know, let's yes. do another podcast on that. But uh, sweet teaser. Um, <laughs> um, take a deep breath, and I really. I think we're going in two directions right now, and the and 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 the you know there's the big food, there's the anonymous sort of factory farms and massive um, agribusiness operations, and then there's the community-based farms, and I I feel like there's a there's a healing that happens it within community that we want to contribute to that that has to happen for us to have a thriving culture, and. Um, and churches are a part of that as a, as a nexus of community. Um, so long-term, I, you know, I, I can't predict the future, but I really feel like we're, we're trying to be creative in bringing food producers together with the people they feed and, and highlighting the values that we share and, 
I honestly think that, you know, we're in a, a sort of unique position as a farming, you know, certified naturally grown, like other farming organizations, where we include a pretty diverse group of people who, mm -hmm. who you know, have very different political beliefs, walk in different faiths, um, and, but all share, share, you know, have a set of values around how to grow food and often around how we relate to Mother Earth, right? And so I'm hoping that that is something that we can build on that can help forge relationships across the, the deep divides that we're experiencing right now in our culture and sort of gently pull things back together, pull us back together around a shared set of values around even around physical tables, you know, um, and on the farm. So it's, it's a long haul, but I'm hoping that we can contribute to progress. Yeah. And so, and again, what I hear you saying is that it's not just an agricultural movement. It really is a, a social one. It is a justice oriented one where we're trying to reimagine community in the midst of all these different things that are pressed in this season of life, in this moment, in whether it's climate change or, you know, technology, the explosion of technology, I hear you really calling agriculture to be a part of that transformation of society to not opt out, but rather to opt in and imagine how we as humans thrive better, which goes far beyond, um, which goes far beyond just what we grow. And I mean, Larry and Michelle already shared this with flowers. Like there's some like, can't eat it. Well, I mean, you can eat some of them. <laughs> They're not my jam. Uh, but you know, but, but it's about human flourishing. That's, that's what I hear you talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to honor, um, uh, MTSO for and and Seminary Hill mm. Farm at the Methodist Theological School of Ohio um, for for uh, being a part of Certified Naturally Grown and I think it was a, a a natural choice for them because they do have food and farming right there at the center of their campus and and they saw CNG as a good fit because of the community component of it and. Um, and I was just quite an honor to be able to give them their certificates there at the event where Al Gore was speaking on food, faith, and climate change. It was just, it was pretty awesome. It's amazing. It's <laughs> amazing. Well, we are about to wrap up, which I know that there are so many stories we didn't get to from all yeah. three of you. And so we would like to have all three of you even at separate times come back on the pod. Um, but um, I just want to give a chance for Larry and Michelle to share in closing, and I, I'm, I'm kind of leading this question so you can, you can reject it if you want, but we always end with the question of what brings you hope. And I also really wanted to give Larry and Michelle to reflect a bit more on your intersection of um, faith with your farming work. So if you can, if you can wrap those questions together um, as we close, and then we would love to have you on the pod again in the future and talk more in depth about each of your stories. So what, what, what brings you hope? I think um, what brings Larry and I hope, we thrive, our, our, we thrive at the farmer's markets. You know, a lot of farms set up differently. Some, some do all CSA, um, some do markets, some do mostly restaurants. And we find that we thrive the most at the farmer's market. And the interaction that we have with people is very unique. So when you're, when you're growing food for someone, and there are people that are very interested in health and wanting to better their lives and feed their families. They ask you questions, you start to build relationships, 
and trust very quickly. It's very unique. It's not very thing, not many things in the world that you can build this trust so quickly with people and with so many different walks of life, so many different um, faith-based groups, so many different cultures. Um, and I think the hope that I have is that we're, we're working hard to grow something that is pure and nourishing that will help people to thrive. And so the more that we can get into, into our community and educate them about why we do what we do and our strive and our goal, yes, we do have to make money and pay our bills, but that's not really why Larry and I got into this. We got into this because we wanted pure food to be healthy for our families and which also obviously trickles to friends and community. We want people to thrive. And so the hope that I have is that we can continue to work to educate people about CNG and about um, our faith and why we do what we do so that people can thrive in this world and be good mothers and good fathers and have clear minds so that they can know who God is because you know a lot of people are ill and they have a lot of stress and they don't want to have to worry about was well, this food that I'm buying at the store actually going to harm my child or you know is it going to go on to make me ill or whatever and so I think my hope is that the more that we do this um, better we're going to just continue to better people's lives which is going to help to clear their minds so that they can be who they are called to be who God calls them to be um, in the world, whatever that may be. So I guess I can, can <laughs> right at the back of that question say that, you know, I think a, a lot of our hope is, at least for me, when I think about what we're doing, you've brought up climate change a couple of times and you've brought up, you know, sort of this idea of community. The first time I went to a farmer's market as so we have two perspectives I think that's unique is one is that we're farmers. That's a unique perspective because it's such a small group of people, but we're also um, have a religious perspective in our agriculture. Um, but we also come to agriculture as a consumer of agriculture because mm. everyone on the planet in order to be alive must consume food. And so it's something that we interact with daily. Most people probably three times a day, some people more, sometimes less. But, you know, we're, we're all, this is a fundamental function of life. And so when we enter into agriculture, our, our hope is that when we think about how it happens, it becomes a community surrounding. So the first time, I'm going to backtrack just a little bit here. The first time that I came to the farmer's market as a seller, as someone who was bringing produce to sell, my very first was a, a lady with her daughter. And she was buying a head of lettuce. And I say it like very specifically because I, I literally was getting goosebumps. I was having this experience. She didn't know I was having this experience. But I literally realized this mother is buying food from me to nourish her daughter. Mm. And everything that I had done, whether good, bad, or ugly, was manifested in this head of lettuce this lady's buying. And, and I 
am giving her this thing that I really tried my best, everything, all the knowledge that I have, everything I can do to make this nourishing, healthy, safe, no fungicide, no poison, no damaging component in this food that this woman was going to trust me. So now all of a sudden this relationship just hit like Mach 10. We went from people passing by at a farmer's market to you have put your faith and trust in me to do the right things to nourish your daughter. And this is going on in my head in like a split second. And I, <laughs> and I said, I'm ruined. <laughs> like, what do you mean? I'm I cannot do anything else. This is it. This is what I have to do for the rest of my life because that interaction, this engagement that I'm having with the community is so profound. It's so much bigger than me. And I get to participate in this thing where I feed everyone that comes to my booth. I get to feed them. And it was so powerful and so profound to me that this hope that we actually can change people. And then if you think, I'm going to move on just a second. I don't want to stop here because I feel like one of the other components that you brought up was this climate change issue. And if we think about carbon sequestration, if farmers would change the way they farm, we would almost eliminate all the problems. If we farmed in a way that was carbon central to not eradicating carbon in the soil, but to take and collect carbon from the atmosphere, which this is the best way to harvest carbon is through proper farming technique. If we would do that, we could change the whole planet. Like it would be more powerful than almost anything I think a politician could possibly do. And it's an individual choice. It comes down to my individual choice as a farmer to how I'm gonna farm, but it also comes down to the individual choice of you as a consumer can support this or you can support some other system. And it almost seems not possible think people would choose not to do this and I think that would drive people oh there's tons of people who want to do this and they fell at it constantly because of the economics and that seems crazy to me mm -hmm. it just seems crazy that we would have farmers who want to farm and they're failing because they don't have enough money to pay the bills to keep doing it not because they don't want to do it because they can't sustain it because people aren't making that choice and I think me as a farmer who has had some success at it I joined CNG because I have an opportunity to share how to succeed at it with people. And so anyway, I want to say that like the, there is a real sense that with this, this, this what we're doing could change the world in a profound way. And it's not like, oh, you're going to be a rock star and get popular doing it. Make an individual moral choice about your life and how you're going to live it. And I think we have a lot of hope to think that there's the fact that we're having this podcast right now gives me a lot of hope that that it's big enough now. There's a movement that's a, a you say, uh, like a stone rolling down a hill. It's just picking up momentum, and I feel like by God's grace we will we will see this shift that is going to be. You know, it's just going to change. I think grace. Reverend, grace. that sermon will preach anywhere. <laughs> that is fantastic and sort of a great last word. We just want to say thank you again for the work that you all do, um, for the ways that you are calling um, agriculture, not just to produce food, which is all well and good. And we, and we love to do that. That's what farmers love to love to produce food, but really are making an impact um, across the world. It's so much bigger. And, uh, and you all have shared that with such a clarion call. And so we really say thank you for that. Um, we also want to make sure that our, our listeners can follow up with you um, if they want to talk to you, if they want to see what you're up to. And so um, for both of you, where where can pe people find you? 
So we have a website. It's eastwardgardens.com. And I'll just throw this in there real quick for people so they can remember. We um, got the title of our farm from Genesis 2. It says, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. So that's where we got our name, Eastward Gardens. It's eastward.com. And we are also on Instagram. Um, that's really the two main places where people can really check out what we do. And the Instagram handle or whatever it's called is uh, just Eastward Gardens. And we have our phone numbers available. We both love to educate and teach people what we do. You're welcome to call us or text us. Um, we have people come out on the farm. We have homeschooling groups come out on the farm. We love children and families. And um, if anyone would like to come and check out what we do, we're very open to that. So. Great. And the website for Certified Naturally Grown is cngfarming.org. And our handles on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter are cngfarming. So definitely find us on any platform of your choice. <laughs> awesome. Wonderful. Well, we are so grateful to all three of you for taking time in your day and for the work that you do. So thank you for sharing your stories. We do look forward to having you back on to explore in more depth. And we wish you all the strength and abundance and enough to continue to do the work that you do. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Food and Faith Podcast. Our collaborators are Wake Forest University School of Divinity, Plain Song Farm, the Garden Church, and the Keep and Till. And the music is by Paul Deemer. Follow along and keep up to date with the podcast on Facebook at Food and Faith Podcast. Twitter and Instagram at Food and Faith Pod or on our website at foodandfaithpodcast.org.